This is a content warning for the podcast. Uh, This is an adult podcast. There will be swearing. There will be creepy stories. There will be adult themes. Uh, If you are not an adult, you're going to have to get your trauma from a more age-appropriate source. We recommend scary stories to read in the dark. Welcome to Macabre Myths by the Hexen Texans. I'm Bailey. And I'm Heather, here to bring you strange and unusual stories from around the world. So let's get into this. Um, where do we want to start? Who do we want to start with? Start so with some of yours? I will tell you my two folklore stories. Excellent. Um, that are not really from childhood. They're from early, late teen, early 20 awareness. Mm-hmm. But they do count as folklore. So I feel like they fit with the general feel that we're going for here. Cool, yeah, close enough to me. So the first is going to be a French story from the Middle Ages, and I am going to butcher this completely, but it's the story of the Bisclavre, and he was a werewolf. So he got married to, he was like a knight, and um, he got married to a lovely lady, and he would disappear once a month. And she would question him about where he would go. He was not very forthcoming with the details. So she decided to follow him. And what she saw was that he took off all of his clothes and transformed into a beast. And then he would come back and put his clothes on and he would transform into a man. So I did a lot of research about like what clothing says about identity, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) So she decided that she would really be rather married to another knight who was not a werewolf. And so she followed her husband and stole his clothing again. And then he couldn't turn back into a man. So he had to live in the forest as a beast. This is very like reverse selkie. Yes. (laughs) I know. It is. Oh, I want rid of my husband. So I will steal his clothing and then... Fuck off, buddy. He stopped. So the king was hunting in the woods, and his hunting party came upon this giant wolf monster. And his knights went to kill it, but it came up and grabbed his stirrup, and he decided that it was capable of intelligent thought and needed to be shown mercy. So he brought it back to court with him, and it became his pet werewolf at court. Because he didn't (laughs) know that it was the missing night that was not at court anymore. This is kind of like Clark Kent and Superman <laughs> when he takes the glasses off. Like, you have right. a missing guy. Here's a weird human-like dog monster. Dog okay. monster. Alright. So, um, the werewolf sees his wife and her new husband come to court and he is filled with such rage he attacks her and bites off her nose so that everyone will know that she betrayed him. And the king was going to put the monster to death, but then he realized, you know, he remembered that this was a really sympathetic and intelligent monster, and he got the wife to confess that it was actually her husband and he had hidden the clothes. So um, the end of the story was he got his clothes back and he got to turn back into human knight. And the wife and all of her female offspring were born with, like the wife lived the rest of her life with no nose, as an outward symbol of her treachery, and all of her female descendants were born with no nose. Well, that's unfortunate. I mean, I get the wife. Like, that was kind of a 
shitty move. Wasn't I mean, maybe she couldn't get divorced, but um hard on the kids. Bad enough they needed a generational curse. Generational curse. For the for the high crime of divorcing your husband. I think the high crime was really stealing his clothes and trapping him as a man dog. Eh, fair, I suppose. My second favorite story, I think, is Irish. And it was about, um, like, the lord of a manor and his lovely lady wife. And he started having, like, hauntings happening on the moor. And um, he was, like, traveling back and forth. And he started noticing, like, a lot of hair presence, like, rabbits' hairs. And um, one of them was, like really kind of creepy and aggressive and it was like jumping really high up against his saddlebag and he reached out and cut off its foot with his blade. What is up with these people in fairy tales just overreact? This is an overreaction, sir. So he put the rabbit's foot that he somehow managed to catch into his saddlebag and when he got home, he took it out and realized it was a human hand. And when his wife came to greet him, she was missing her hand. <laughs> so the, the moral of the story, I guess, was that the wife was some kind of witch because you have um, a lot of rabbit imagery associated with witchcraft. And Yeah. So I, I am sure there are a lot of details with that one that I am leaving out. That one is from my childhood, and it's been um, a minute since I've refreshed myself on that one. <laughs> But I also kind of want to be like, what the heck kind of childhood fairy tale stories was I reading that this is like... This was just part of it. here in my Rolodex. Yeah. I love it. As a fond memory. (laughs) I loved this story. I did love... I still love that story. I think it's so interesting. I mean, dark, (laughs) but interesting. (laughs) Um... So the one, I, the personal one that I have to bring you today is less myths and fantasy, but definitely was traumatic. Um, I had an issue with dinosaurs. I had such an issue with dinosaurs, and it was such a love-hate relationship with dinosaurs. Like, I had a cassette tape that had, like, all these songs about dinosaurs, including the dinosaur race. And I knew all the words to the dinosaur race. It was like all these dinosaurs like lined up to do a foot race. Um, yes. But I was also terrified of dinosaurs. And the nightmares that I had the most were dinosaur based. Like dinosaurs were always going to come and eat me. I was terrified of it. They were going, it was going to be like Jurassic Park style. Somebody was going to create dinosaurs again and they were going to come eat me so I have a very vivid memory of going to a science museum and I wanted to go into they had an animatronic dinosaur section that you could walk through and learn about the dinosaurs and I wanted to go in so bad but there was a fucking Tyrannosaurus Rex that was moving and roaring right at the entrance like the first fucking thing you had to walk by And I was just like, no, no, I logically, I understand that that is a robot, but it is going to eat me. I will die. It will eat me. It will come to life and go on a rampage and I will be its first victim. So I understand this fear. 
<laughs> because I have a similar one with teddy bears, which I'm going to explain in a moment. But I also would like to raise you quicksand, which we were all promised was going to be much, much worse when we were adults. Such a bigger problem. I, I did see, though, in a TikTok video, this guy was in the backyard and it was like some kind of pond or something in the backyard. And his friend mm -hmm. was like, just do it. It's not that bad. And he started walking across it and it started pulling him down. And I was like, that's the thing that we've all been preparing for right there. Quick to be fair, I did hear recently that the horses that go on horseback rides here, they did recently have to pull one of the horses out of quicksand on the beach. So more of a problem than we recently thought, but less of a problem than we thought as children. It's true. Because as children, I was like, well, this is just something I need to be prepared with. So I knew, like, you don't struggle. You reach for something to pull yourself out with. I yes. knew. I knew how to get out of quicksand. We all, I think everybody our age knows how to get out so, of quicksand. I agree because we also, and I think this is, this needs to go into some kind of record of why people our age have weird, like, child trauma. All of us had an emergency plan for the quicksand event. For the all of us. Yes. We all knew how we were going to handle it. And if you didn't have, like, different situations, like, what if there wasn't a vine or a stick for somebody to throw to you? You yeah, had to have you that. Because you have to evenly distribute your body weight figured. so you can try to, like, yeah. why did we know this? <laughs> because it was going to be a problem. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> so, much like your dinosaur trauma, I was afraid of teddy bears. I love this. Because when I was going to sleep as a little kid, and this is still like adult conditioning, so I guess that tells you something, because I stopped to fall asleep listening to like Stephen Fry read me a bedtime story from the Calm <laughs> app. It's okay. I listened to um, Neil Gaiman read me Truth is a Cave in the Black Mountain, which is chapter seven of Trigger Warning. And I know this because I asked the home robot to read it to me every night. <laughs> it's so soothing. So... <laughs> Those um, British voices reading to you. But they are. <laughs> and, and then sometimes I really like listening to Eric Braz's stories because he's got this really deep voice. And I'm just like, mm, I'm so soothed. <laughs> <laughs> but my grandmother would like lay us down for a nap and we would listen to songs. And one of the songs was the Teddy Bear Picnic. And I, I, I don't know what the hell was the point of this song because it starts off, if you go down in the woods today... You're in for a big surprise. If you go down in the woods today, you better go in disguise. Oh, that sounds ominous. <laughs> and then it goes on and it's talking about like the mommy and daddy teddy bears and like their picnic and how you're basically this like weird voyeur child watching these teddy bears do teddy bear picnic crap. But oh, then it, it starts talking about like catching them unawares. And in my child mind, I was just like, beneath the trees where nobody sees, they'll hide and seek as long as they please, because that's the way the teddy bears have their picnic. And then I was like, why doesn't anyone need to see? Are they going to eat you? And so in my mind, whenever I heard this creepy ass song, because it's creepy, I was like, you're going to get eaten if they find you. <clears throat> right. Obviously, that is why you were having to stay secretive, is that murder is the next option. I mean, it's clearly not a Toy Story situation where they will not be alive if you notice them. It is clearly right. a they will eat you. And quite frankly, to this day, don't like bears. They freak me out. 
I love this. I also feel horrible because I know you came to my house approximately 10,000 times and I had approximately 10,000 teddy bears in my one room. Teddy bears don't really bother me. Lining. Because my brain didn't like plug this into like cuddly teddy bear situation. Ah. It plugged this into eat your face black bear situation. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair. Because, you know, obviously. Yeah, teddy bears are, like, soft. They're not going to do anything. Right. Brown bears, though. They're going to fuck you up. They could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I also feel like bears are the ultimate underrated predator. It's true. Always. People go for the big cats, I think, and they forget that these other things exist with giant teeth. Yeah, because, yeah, like, cats, cats are lazy motherfuckers. Like, unless it's hungry or you get way up in its space, they're pretty much going to leave you alone. But bears? Wild dogs? I'm not about that. The wild dogs are the ones that scare me the most. Yes! Oh, my gosh. Did you read? I was looking at applying to, like, different programs, right? And... I wanted to go to the University of New Mexico until I started reading about their random street packs of wild dogs that tear (laughs) arms off of pedestrians and sorry, New Mexico, no. Right? What is going on? Why? (laughs) Why? And it wasn't a big cat that ate the baby in Quigley Down Under. It was a dingo. So that is a good movie. I think I'm going to do another one from Brian because Brian had some excellent ones. So this is my favorite one from Brian because I feel like this is one that so many people our age can relate to. And it was just like creepy ass stories his mother would tell him with no prompting that like have scarred him to this day. And it was basically those creepy stories that your mother tells you to make you behave. But like to this day, you are terrified. So the one he told me about specifically was that his mom told him about this kid who was at Michael's with his mom and he like wasn't paying attention to his mother and wandered off a bit and got abducted and murdered in the parking lot in the span of like five minutes. (laughs) I love your face. I wish we could have that on the podcast somehow. Is this a true story? I don't know. He doesn't know to this day. She told it to him like it was. But it was the same thing of, like, the shit that our parents would tell us of, like, you've got to check under your car because somebody's going to hide under your car and slice your Achilles tendons and then murder you. Or you've got to check your back seat because you'll be driving down the highway and then somebody will slash your throat and murder you. It always ended with murder. You were always murdered at the end of these stories if you weren't hypervigilant. Yes, you did. Always. (laughs) Always. I just... I just love that his mother just like, he's like, there was no prompting. It's not like we were at Michael's. It's not like she would just like tell me these stories. She and wasn't then like, go, come here, and my lad, we'd... and sit at my knees so I can tell you this cautionary tale of child murder in a parking lot. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? Probably to make him behave. I but... mean, it makes me want to behave. Now I don't want to go out of my house. <laughs> right. Oh, man. This is going to be terrible, and I kind of hope you edit it out, but it is funny. Maybe we're okay because that parking lot murderer only wanted five-year-old little boys, and they don't care about 30-year-old women. (laughs) It could be. 
It could be. But I mean, based on just the number of stories, because my mom told me stories like this too. And then I think we all just told each other stories like this. And based on those number of stories about like the way murderers were gonna get ya, like I can't believe any of us made it to adulthood. So my grandmother used to tell my mother that they didn't go camping because there were axe murderers at campsites and they would die. So I have, nobody's even explicitly told me that. And the last time I went camping, that was my biggest concern. Like every time I heard a noise outside, I was like, it's some crazy man with an ax and I'm about to die. So I pressed my mother about this because I was like, what the heck is up with this? And my mom was like, yeah, but in like the 60s somewhere, there was some dude like hiding out on camping and hiking paths and would murder people like a couple of times. Right. Right. I think that's the thing. That's the thing that happened with like all of those generations is something happened like once in some remote area and then it became a like pass it down to your children because it's definitely going to happen to you if you're not hyper vigilant. Yeah. But also Statistically, no. <laughs> but at 12, I was terrified. Of everything. Of I everything. Also... I remember when I first started driving and I would go to the mall and, like, I would park at the mall. I had, like, the whole, like, don't park near any other cars. If you come out and there's a car parked next to yours, go back in and wait till it's gone. And always check the back seat and, like, from a distance, look under your car. I mean, I had the whole routine down. I feel like some of this is just being a woman in this country. Also fair. <laughs> I'm like, I do this when I go to Walmart still. Yeah, true, true. I do get, I definitely get more nervous when there's a white van parked next to my car when I come out of anywhere. I'm like. Especially with a sign that's like puppies. <laughs> I've never had a puppies van next to my car, but I have just had like nondescript white vans and I'm like. Maybe go browse a little more. No, in the Walmart parking lots here in town, they illegally sell puppies out of the backs of SUVs. What? And I feel like it's a ploy. Oh my goodness. One of the other excellent stories I got was from one of my friends who I have a group chat with. And I, I posited to my friends the question of, we're going to be telling creepy stories from childhood. And I paused the app and I came back and I had 13 messages from my friends. Each one containing its own creepy story and it was excellent. Um, I love the weirdness I have cultivated among my friends. So the one story I got told was from my friend Nessa. So when they were a wee childling, they went to school one day and the school had put like the four desks all together where you put like four desks facing each other and it's like, ha, huh, a group, make friends, children. Nobody ever makes friends in those kind of groups, but whatever, they keep doing it. So at this desk was a girl who, who knows where she heard the story from, but she had a story about a white lady, which if you don't know is a type of ghost. So there's kind of different groups of like dead women ghosts. And there's white ladies and gray ladies and blue ladies. They all have different aspects. And normally the white ladies are good ghosts in some way. So this girl was telling the story of this white lady. But this white lady specifically was killed in a very horrific manner. As, you know, usually happens to women in ghost stories. 
and you had to do certain things to like invoke this white lady's protection so you had to like say her name three times before bed it was like reverse bloody mary like bloody mary you say her name and then she shows up in your mirror and kills you this white lady you say her name and she comes and like protects you from getting murdered and my friend couldn't remember what all the different things were to like invoke this white lady but they did say by the end of class two things two things had occurred one they were like shaking because they were so scared and everyone at the desk everyone else at the table was looking at them like do they actually believe this <laughs> and two they then proceeded to develop almost obsessive compulsive habits around summoning the protection of this white lady of saying the white lady's name several times doing all the different little rituals that you had to do to summon the white lady and just had to do all of that to protect themselves and then, you know eventually eventually it faded off but they said they did it for a good long while and it was funny because it got me thinking about the stuff that like we did as kids too i was just wondering did we have weird child rituals to keep us safe I know we did. I know we did. I can't think of any of them specifically, but I remember us doing like weird things. Do you remember the time we were going to sacrifice a pill bug, but then we both got so guilty about killing something, we like found a dead one. And, and like, we were like, I got enough. Good enough. Good. It's already dead. It's kind of like we did it. Sure. Because I remember that. And I had like a little tiny like Girl Scouts pocket knife and we like cut it in half and I remember this like in vivid detail I don't so I don't this know was... if that means that it was you know too much for me or if it was just so commonplace so common. it didn't stand out as yes. being anything extraordinary I think I only remember it because I was the one that cut the pill bug in half okay. so I have this visceral memory of like you know crunching through its little exoskeleton this already dead pill bug and desecrating its body it was also during our Egypt phase so it was one of many weird things we did. Okay, the Egypt phase is my favorite phase. I loved our Egypt phase. That was so fun because we had just read that book, The Egypt Game, which I think a lot of other people came across their Egypt phase because of the Egyptology book, and that's fine, but I really liked the Egypt game. And I remember we found... My mom had those junky ass rent houses and we found like the best treasures in the backyard of that one total junker rent house. No, but it was amazing because it was like the junk was separate behind a fenced in area, which yeah. made it even more amazing. It was perfect. We found so much like plaster back there too. I know. We carved, we carved hieroglyphs into. Yeah. <laughs> And we found yeah. some junkie, like, it was like a dog head. Like, it was almost Anubis-like. And we stuck it on a spring, and then we stuck that on a stick, and we walked around with it. We had this, like, bobble Anubis head on a stick. That was the best. I have very, like, super vague, not very detailed memories of it. I just remember the feeling of it being amazing. Yes. I also was obsessed with the Pharaoh game. And mm -hmm. the Cleopatra expansion. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, I would pay all of the monies to have this back. If I yes. could make that game run on this computer 
all of the monies. All of it. I know I have so many things that traumatized me as a child, and trying to remember them on the spot is the hard one. So mine was like, definitely watch way too much true crime, even as a, a very small child. Like, sneaking episodes of Forensic Files. But I also grew up in a household where X-Files was the thing. We weren't allowed to watch it, but we could sit through the theme music, and then we had to leave the room. <laughs> so, like, my love of, like, the weird, strange, and unusual was, like, born out of the Beetlejuice cartoons, um, the Ghostbusters cartoon, um, weird fairy tales that I grew yes. up listening to. Like, my grandfather would read us Grimm's fairy stories, like, fairy mm -hmm. tales. And my favorite one was the story of Little One-Eye, Little Two-Eye, and Little Three-Eye. And they're all sisters, but one of them has one eye, one of them has two eyes, and one of them has three eyes. And of course, it's kind of like a Cinderella story, where one eye and three eye are really mean to her, and mm -hmm. two eyes finds a magic goat, like a fairy godmother, that makes all of her wishes come true, and then she ends up like getting married off to the handsome prince. And... <laughs> At the I love that story. Now that I'm looking at it as an adult, I'm like, well, of course two eyes got married because she's the normal one. What <laughs> happened to one eyes and three eyes? Why couldn't they get married? Right. Why do we have to make differences bad, Brim Brothers? <laughs> but I just grew up kind of like in this bubble of conditioning where it's like, you will love strange and unusual things. Yes. And good luck having a normal life. So I also remember, and I, I tried to talk to my cousin about this, and he was like, I have no memory of that at all. And I haven't been able to find them, which freaks me out, like, really bad. But do you remember my grandfather, like, taking us out to the carriage house at the back of the property and showing us his tray of pickled baby rattlesnakes? Yes! And they were, like, all of them in these, like, tiny little food jars and they, like, some of them had their mouths open so you could see these tiny little fangs. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. I had forgotten about that. Yes. I tried to find them. Oh like, God. I have been to the carriage house mm -hmm. full of things, specifically trying to find the snakes so uh -huh. that I can get rid of them. <laughs> not wanting to find live new snakes, just the pickled dead snakes. Right. right. Which is... I can't find them. It is a problem. Which means that they're stuck someplace where I'm going to find them and I'm not going to be expecting it and I'm going to be not okay. <laughs> uh-huh. That is definitely how that's going to go down. You're going to be like just cleaning and then suddenly a snake is going to be in your face. Yeah, because it's broken out of the jar and it's just disintegrating because it's 60 years old and the air touched it. <laughs> Um, I was trying to think about other myths that we, like, grew up with or, like, heard about or it was just, like, common whatever. Common knowledge. You know the one I do remember, and this isn't a specific myth, but this was just, like, things you started doing as a, like, fourth to sixth grade girl. Like, all the slumber parties consisted of certain activities, and those activities were... Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Daring everybody to go and say Bloody Mary in the mirror. And 
The one where, like, you pounded on each other's back and it was concentrate, concentrate, people dying, people crying, concentrate, concentrate. And then it was, like, crack an egg on your head, feel a yolk ru- I think it even was blood? You said crack an egg, but then it was feel the blood rushing down. And you would, like, tickle the person's head as you went down. It was just, like, a sensory experience. I remember that. It was a weird little girl ritual. It was a weird little girl ritual, and it happened at every fucking sleepover. Yeah, it did. Why? Because all little girls between fourth and sixth grade become witches. I was just gonna say that! <laughs> it was like, it's because we're all a bunch of little witches. It's true. With child magic. With child magic. Doing light as a feather, stiff as a board. You know, I did fully expect someone to levitate. Someone. It was going to be Emily Berry. It was going to be. I was so convinced. We did it. I, like, remember. We were, I don't know whose sleepover it was because it was not a house that I remember being in often. But somebody's sleepover, and we all had Emily Berry on the floor, and we were so convinced it was going to be her because she was the littlest among us. And she we were was like, the littlest. If anyone's going to do it, if anyone's going to float, it's going to be Emily. She didn't. She did not. That was disappointing. It was disappointing. But you also did, you went into the bathroom, and whether you said Bloody Mary or not, you did scream to indicate that something terrifying happened to just amp up the next person. Totally. Yes. (laughs) So when I was growing up, we never did anything like that here in my house because my house is scary. Yes. And the last thing that you wanted to do was an off-chance invite to an actual (laughs) creepy something that was going to come, like, into the house. anything. I remember the boys coming over to one of the sleepovers and us making this, like, horrible concoction of, like, cat litter and juice and just not good. Yes. Potion. Yes. Yes. taking it out and, like, dumping it on them. Yes. Not good. And whatever we mixed in there, like, one of them told me later, like, it smelled so bad on his clothes that when he was going home, he was just like, (laughs) Like, whatever we put in there. I mean, it was... It was, like, everything nasty we could think of. Everything nasty. And had access to, like, Tabasco sauce, like, pickle juice, random crap from the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. And if it was expired, all the better. Yes. I also remember, I feel like these were, I feel like this was the same sleepover. I feel like the dump on the boys. And then also we put glue on our hands and let it dry. And then we put ketchup on top of it and peeled it off like it was a bloody hand. I remember doing that one as well. There was no hope for us to ever be normal. I do also remember that, like, our favorite thing to do, you and I would play pretend all the time, but, like, we regularly died while playing pretend. Like, that was our favorite things. We were dramatic and death-oriented. We we were dramatic and death-oriented, which we still are. It hasn't really... Uh, It's fine. (laughs) Not anything has changed. We're well-adjusted. We are so well-adjusted. Old houses, man. I don't know. I know. What to tell you. I know. I lived in a house from the 1920s for a while, and it is definitely, like, they got some character. And ghosts. And ghosts. The, well, the house I lived in, we knew for a fact that the previous 
tenant died in the bedroom we slept in. There have been three deaths in this house um, that I know of. Mm -hmm. So one of them happened in the room right across from me where like my office is. So the bedroom that my grandparents slept in. One of the old ladies that lived in the house died in there. Mm -hmm. In the 1940s, the house was an apartment building. And um, so there were four apartments in the house. Two downstairs, two upstairs. Mm -hmm. And there was an old guy that died in one of the apartments upstairs. And then my grandfather told me that in one of the rooms on the other side of the house, a young guy killed himself or something. So <clears throat> not like any of this is disclosed anywhere because this house has been inherited for 50 years. <laughs> but you well, know. I don't think it's required by law either. Like you don't have to disclose if somebody dies in a house. I think it varies um, by I think it state. depends on where you live. Yeah. Like, I know some states you do not have to. You can be like, hmm, don't know. Yeah. Well, and um, I do know that my aunt and uncle um, both reported seeing a ghost in what I call the pink room, hmm. which is my uncle, my oldest uncle's old bedroom. Interesting. And they report it being an old man in overalls who doesn't say anything. He just is in there. Interesting. And I'm not saying that I've ever seen the old man in overalls because I never have, but I know that electronics work really strangely in that room. Ah. And my Wi-Fi will not be picked up in there. Interesting. It is like the only room in the house that absolutely refuses to pick up any Wi-Fi signal. Huh. Well, when Mike was restoring the bed and breakfast, um, Mike, the non-believer, saw a ghost in the bed and breakfast that, like, went through a wall and walked up some stairs that weren't there anymore. And I was like, well, did stairs used to be there? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, see? what's It's not a crazy ghost. It was walking up where it knew the stairs were. That's weird. So my dad was telling me this story about when he was younger. So he was probably in his early 20s. And he said that he had a black cat, but the name of the black cat changes. So sometimes her name is like Lola, like the song, Lola, mm -hmm. Lola, And then sometimes he calls her Layla. But I, and my mother also agrees, her name was Lola because that's most consistently how we've heard the story. Okay. So he had a black cat named Lola and they moved down into the country and they would go on walks together. And, um, you know, they would just like hunt and pick up rocks and they would always like go to a tree and then turn around. So if they were walking together, Lola would like run to this tree and wait for him and then they'd go back to the house. Well, he brought some friends out with him and on one of the walks with Lola, they had found a cow skull and he just like tucked it up into this tree. Mm -hmm. And then like when his friends came over a couple of days later, he was like, let's go on a walk. He's like, Lola finds bones for me for my rituals. <laughs> and they were like, what do you mean? And he was like, she just goes where the bones are. That's what she does. And he said that they were all like walking on this trail and he's like, look how fast she's walking. She must've found something. And she goes to the tree and he like reaches up into it and pulls the skull out and all of his friends freaked out because of this black bone finding cat for my dad's dark mass rituals. Oh my God, that is the best story. I love that. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's like, amazing. This is like, the best prank ever. That is amazing. Yeah. Like, his commitment to just, like, 
pulling one over on people fucking is with amazing. his friends. Yes. yes. It's like legendary patience oh. to like make a joke or weird situation happen. Yes. Yes. I remember this about your father. Yeah, it's pretty extreme. He hasn't changed. He still does these things. It doesn't surprise me. And I'm so fucking gullible. I'm sure I was one of his favorite people to have come around because I believe everything. Yeah, I grew up with this and he still says stuff to me. And I'm like, really? Wait. Wait. Hold on. No. No, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah. Like, to this day, I'm just like, hook, line, and sinker. Wait. Wait. No. No. Um... Oh, to be slightly on topic, I actually have a story from my mom that I just remembered. Um, so my mom, one of the things that actually terrified her, and she, it still creeps her out, and this is a phenomenon that I've really only seen in Texas. I do not see this happen in many other places. When a storm has moved through and it's still super cloudy, but the sun is starting to set, and you have those rays of lights that come through the clouds and they go all the way from like cloud to ground and it's like a reverse spotlight. Yes. Yes. Somebody told my mom when she was like a young child that that was like dead people. Like it was- Okay, I was also told this. Coming to get dead people. Yes. And I was it, also told this. So Were we told re- this by your mother? She may have told it to us. It is entirely possible. It would not surprise me. And it just, like, it always really upset her because she didn't like thinking about all those people who were, like, dead and leaving. But I also think, like, somehow in her mind it changed from, like, the beams were just, like, dead people going up to heaven to where it was, like, coming down and, like, killing people. (laughs) And they had to go to heaven. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I have spoken with her about this as an adult, and it's still, like, it gives her the heebie-jeebies when those, like, little lights are in the clouds. I'm trying to think if there's anything like that that, like, kind of gave me, like, the... I remember going and seeing the Marfa lights and wanting an explanation about them because I saw them, and Mm -hmm. I want the explanation, and there is no explanation. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember I spent a good year of my young teenage life just fully obsessed with Roswell. And yes, going, oh my God. going to Roswell and seeing the museum and aliens. I had the alien birthday party. Yes, you did. <laughs> because it was also the 90s. And for whatever reason, little gray men were super popular. So popular. And I had like neon aliens painted on my fingernails. It's yes. like my first, like, it was my first, like, professional fingernail job. I had. And your party favors were like shiny silver, pink, and gold, like tiny alien. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I remember going to Roswell and just being like. Did you come with us or did we each go at different times? Because you and I, I went on we trips went, together so many times. We did. I think that this was a separate event. We were on our way to a family reunion and I went mm. with my parents for 4th of July. Yes. I also remember on that same trip taking a nap and I sat up because the car had stopped and my dad was outside of the car with the sunshades, like those big, like, 
pop open sunshades, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Doing this in the middle of the road because there were two bull snakes that had been crossing. And I, these things were huge, like easily six feet. And they were popping their heads up and striking at the screens. And my dad was trying to like herd them across the road because he didn't want them to get like bitten. But it was the weirdest thing, or run over. It was the weirdest thing to like sit up from a nap and <laughs> be just like, wake up. What is Indiana Jones doing out there? <laughs> and I thought that I had made that up like it was a fake memory. <laughs> Until I mentioned it the other day and my mom was like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my god. Bless your mother for just the things she has put up with. Well, I mean him and us, I feel like. Oh god. She's a sainted woman. <laughs> Truly. And my mom too for putting up with my dad and us. And all my <laughs> weird friends. Sainted. Oh god. I hope that we had enough audio aside from 90s nostalgia to be. I am more than happy to include some 90s nostalgia in this episode, so I'm fine with that. That'll work. Oh, let's remind people that we do have merchandise available in our Etsy shop. Yes. We have a link tree that's now available, and that link is included in all of the episode notes when the podcast episodes are posted. Follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Patreon. Mm -hmm. And wherever you're listening, if you would give us a rating and hit subscribe, we would really appreciate it. Yes, very much. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Macabre Myths by the Hexen Texans. Don't forget to reduce, reuse, and recycle. Music in this episode is by Kevin McLeod, used under a Creative Commons license. Macabre Myths is a podcast produced and engineered by the Hexen Texans. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening.